As our uh, selection of psalms has shown tonight, we, uh, we often sing of Jerusalem. And uh, what do we mean by that? That's uh, our topic for tonight as we deal again with uh, uh, psalms that uh, perhaps present us with a certain challenge in understanding, a certain need for explanation and, and growth that we might uh, be more cognitive, that we might be more deliberate about our uh, our singing to God as we sing the Psalms. So I'm going to read for our uh, text tonight, Psalm 122. This is God's Word. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Will you please pray with me? Grant, O Lord, the opening of your word and the opening of our hearts to your truth. O Lord, send forth your Spirit and do your work, your good, gracious, and powerful work in each one of us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, uh, tis the season for platitudes. It sounds a little cynical, but I think it's the truth. So, let's start with this platitude, so to speak. Home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. So wherever your heart is, there is home for you. Of course, there's the uh, uh, corollary platitude that says uh, you can't go home again. Um, that's always been a, a favorite of mine, probably because I've, I've lived long enough to, uh, to have the experience of wishing I could get back to uh, some childhood memory that is finally impossible to recapture. But even still, home is where the heart is. The, the question for Christians, however, is, where is your heart? And it is true that our hearts are often drawn to what we remember, the good memories of home. Um, I don't have the statistics, but I would venture to guess that many people have a, a certain soft spot uh, in their hearts for their hometown. Others, not so much, maybe. Um, but the hometown attraction is likely a, a powerful force in the hearts of many. And this brings us to the issue of, of how much do we find our hope, our joy, and our peace within this world? I still struggle with this quite a bit in my own heart and soul. Uh, on one hand, God's word is clear that despite sin, we are still living in God's good creation. 
It's a matter of, uh, of what's called Gnosticism, to try to live apart from this world, foregoing even the, the good pleasures of this world, as if the physical world is inherently evil, so that the thing to do is to renounce the world. People who live this way cannot really ever do that. They, they still enjoy a good meal when nobody's looking, uh, or a beautiful sunset, uh, amid other pleasures, unmentionable, uh, even while claiming to be waiting for heaven, which is the other thing at hand, uh, that God's Word certainly does call us to look upon this world as a world that is passing away. So what should we live for? How much, how much pleasure should we allow ourselves in this world that is passing away? Or another way to ask the question is, where is home for us? In the end, it really is true, although true in a way perhaps not intended, that home is where the heart is. It's not easy. There is a, there is a ditch uh, to get stuck in on both sides of the, of the road. Uh, Genesis 1.31 says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. However, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 31 says, Let those who deal with the world live as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. So where is the middle of the road? Believe it or not, there, there is an ancient poem that answers the question, I believe. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. The answer is found as we see Jerusalem as our home. The ironic truth is that the relationship of the people of Israel to the ancient city of Jerusalem is instructive for the modern Christian. How do you live in this world without being sucked into the vortex of this world? How do you enjoy God's good creation while yet living for Christ and for the age to come. Jerusalem is the answer. Not the modern physical city, not even the ancient city, but the anticipation of being gathered with all God's people in the new Jerusalem, which is heaven itself. Psalm 122 begins with familiar words, I think. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. These are familiar words because they often get quoted on, on Sunday mornings. Uh, they serve as a good call to worship at the start of a, of a worship service. Uh, the psalmist's reference to the house of the Lord is uh, taken in our own day as a reference to the church, uh, sometimes even the church building is understood as the house of the Lord, that place where we can find God, where we meet with God. The temptation toward this often misunderstood notion 
is, uh, is probably less for us, given that we worship in a very simple building like this one. But the advantage is a helpful one. The psalmist reference is most likely, unmistakably, uh, to the temple in Jerusalem. But, but the words work well for us as well. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to 1407 North 25th Street in Terre Haute, Indiana. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I am glad each time when it's Sunday morning. Can we say this? I am glad, and uh, I'm glad that my schedule is cleared and that I'm attending the gathering of God's people, which is the church. Of course, I I should be careful not to presume too much. Uh, God's people are notorious, are we not, for singing things that we don't really mean, at least that we don't really understand. Uh, It's true for psalm singers, and it's true for CCM singers alike. Uh, Apply a bit of music, and who really cares what it means, or if anyone really understands or really believes uh, what they are singing. That's really the, the impetus for this series of sermons on the Psalms to address things that we sing but perhaps don't really understand within the Psalms. But when we sing about Jerusalem, let, let this be clear tonight, we are singing about the church. And the connection is this, or maybe I should say, here is why we understand it this way, that, that to sing about the house of the Lord and to sing about Jerusalem is to sing, is for us to sing about the church, even the gathering of the church each Lord's Day to worship God. But the other possible presumption is that we are indeed glad when uh, they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I think we tend to settle back pretty quickly into attending church on the basis of custom and and habit, uh, a bit of religiosity uh, added to our weekly schedule by the force of of expectations, whether they're they're cultural expectations or maybe uh, expectations uh, arising from our families. Uh, God forbid that uh, mom should call on, on the phone on Sunday afternoon, and, and we have to admit that we weren't in church this morning. So is that why you're here, to avoid apparent scrutiny? The culture has drifted and, and uh, would even now probably not affirm uh, your coming and would even affirm your not attending worship. And that's not completely a bad thing, I hope we can see, to have such a secondary reason uh, for church revealed and removed in order to expose what it is that is really motivating us. Why are we here? For us, of course, why are we here again on a Sunday evening? And yet there is likely a veiled gladness that we feel that is revealed when we do miss church. Uh, In other words, there's a blessing that we experience even when we don't know we are receiving it. It's just just that feeling it requires missing it. You, you, You never know what you have 
until it's gone. But far better to have a conscious, a conscious gladness when it comes to being in church. And where will that come from? That's the question, right? I hate to say it, but for some of us, it will come when we are forbidden by the government or otherwise kept from gathering. Think here of our our brothers and sisters in China who, uh, who go to great pains and take great risk to gather with the church. Why do they do that? Perhaps they themselves are not entirely sure But to believe in Christ and to have the hope of forgiveness and righteousness and eternal life drives the believer to want to gather with others who believe the same thing. So much so, in fact, that when the desire is is lacking, it raises the question of whether faith is really there. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, writes the psalmist. And, and he adds this statement. It's, it's even an exclamation. The ESV has an exclamation point after it. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Why say that? If you think about it, it's, it's merely a, an indicative statement. Uh, here we are in Jerusalem. So what's the point? The point is to marvel, to, to wonder, to stand in amazement even um, that we are here. We're here. We're, we've arrived. We are in Jerusalem. And isn't it wonderful? So this only furthers the call, does it not, to be glad. The call to find it hugely significant that we are in church each Lord's Day. Why are we here? So many others are at home in bed without faith and sadly bound for hell. And yet here we are with faith and experiencing a a, a taste of the heaven promised us by grace. We We just don't get it, at least as much as we should, do we? the significance of being in church each Lord's Day. So how do we get it? Uh, How do we arrive at at getting more of it? Uh, It requires some meditation on Jerusalem. uh, And this is a second point because that's what happens next in Psalm 122, verse 3 and 4 says, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. David is reflecting upon the physical city of Jerusalem. But even for him and for Israel of old, the point of Jerusalem was not just the walls and and buildings of the city itself. Yes, the city itself was a a fortified city. Its, Its appearance represented national strength for the people. To go there was to be impressed by the city itself, its compact beauty and glory. But what was equally important, and and we might even say even more important, 
was the people. I think what David was describing was how the physical architecture and and structure of the city of Jerusalem represented the unity of the people of Israel. Jerusalem was built as a city that was bound firmly together so that it represented how the people of Israel were bound firmly together spiritually by God. The same is true for us. We may not have the advantage of having a physical city or even a physical building that somehow represents who we are as the people of God, but but it may even be an advantage that we don't, since we would be tempted to miss the point. It's not about the city. It's not about the building. The point of the church is, is, is our spiritual unity. Here we might think of, of Paul's teaching in Ephesians 4, verse 4, about the church. There is one body, he declares, and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. These words from Paul should remind us of the words of David in Psalm 122. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. Because that was where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Jerusalem represented the unity of the nation. Twelve tribes, and yet only one nation, serving the one true God. Rejoicing in one covenant of grace. And marked by one sign of the covenant, at that time, the the sacrament of circumcision. But it requires meditation, does it not? You and I are are so very different from each other. Uh, From our appearance, to our names, to our ethnic background perhaps, to our height and weight. So it's important that we remember our sameness the unity that we have by God's Word and in Christ. Some say that God doesn't do miracles anymore. And that may be true in some sense of what a miracle is. But according to God's Word, the church herself is a miracle. In the sense of a miracle being a work of God, even a work of God contrary to the natural order. Every time a person is born again and comes to faith in Christ, a a miracle has happened. Uh, Something contrary to the natural order of fallen mankind, otherwise enslaved in sin. And as one becomes two, and and two becomes five, and five becomes twenty-five, as the church grows, as the church is built, not a building, but people, So a miracle happens, something contrary to the natural order of fallen mankind, otherwise enslaved in sin. The Apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2, verse 4, As you come to to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the church in any... Can we, can we just understand this and, and agree? The church in any given day is really a miracle. A supernatural work of God. Psalm 122 gets at this already in, in David's day when he writes, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. There's, there are two active verbs there to describe the existence of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built and Jerusalem is bound together. But who is the builder? Who is the binder of Jerusalem? It is clearly God. Because David goes on to write, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. When, when we hear of God issuing a decree, we might think of God's law. Kings issue decrees, or they decree laws. And here, the reference is certainly to God's command that Israel go up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. But notice what it says next. As was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. In other words, the command to go up and worship is given by way of God saving his people. Israel was not to go up to Jerusalem to feed their God, and they were not to go hoping to secure his blessing. They were to go to give thanks to God for his gracious blessings and his gracious promises to them. Verse 5 captures this as well, if we understand it rightly. Verse 5 reads, Their thrones for judgment were set the thrones of the house of David. Like the word decree, we might hear the word judgment in the sense of law and punishment. But even as God decrees both law and blessing, so His judgment can be for or against His people. And the reference here to the house of David is a reference to the good king that God himself raised up as a blessing to his people, the judgments of a good king are judgments for blessing and not judgments against his people. So if we aren't so glad to, to have to head off to church each Lord's Day, it, uh, if we don't marvel when our feet are standing within the gates of Jerusalem in our own day, then can we see how much we're missing, how much we're just not seeing it? The church is the body of Christ built by God, bound firmly together by Him. The church is where the gospel is preached, the people of God being called to believe, but otherwise leaving them with nothing else to do except to say thank you and to enjoy the gift of salvation. The church is made up of those people who are blessed to come under the saving authority of our Savior King of the house of David. Oh, but there is one more thing to do. Even as we enjoy Jerusalem, even as we give thanks to God for Jerusalem, 
and for our place within her. And that is to pray for Jerusalem because she is constantly under attack. The third and last point of Psalm 122 is prayer for Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. And we might want to ask, uh, why? If, if Jerusalem is so well built by God, if God, himself is, if God himself in Christ is the one who binds the church so firmly together, then why do we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Well, the answer is that until the new Jerusalem of heaven, the church will always be under attack by her enemies. The church is even so often her own worst enemy. To put it another way, the evil one often works from within, through the flesh. So let this be our prayer. It was the prayer that King David prayed and called upon the people of his day to pray. But it's the same prayer that you and I must pray for the church in our day. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And here then is the prayer to be prayed. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Unfortunately, it often takes the experience of trouble and even the division of the church for us to learn to pray this prayer. But there is a word in Psalm 122 that even goes beyond prayer, and it's the word seek. In verse 9, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Seeking the good of the church certainly starts with prayer, and let it start with prayer. But like we've said before, having petitioned God for his blessing, we really ought to consider how we can be God's answer to our, own, to our own prayer. So, pray for growth in faith, but pursue growth in faith by sitting faithfully under the preaching of God's Word and by being much in the Word of God on your own. Pray for God's blessing upon your children, but teach God's Word diligently to your children. Pray for the poor and sick. But be generous with your money and your time and caring for those in need. And in the same way, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but then be determined that you will seek her peace, that you will not be the source of any division in the church between you and any other brother or sister. So home is where the heart is, and, and, and where is home for you? I suppose the best answer is that our home is in heaven. That's what we really should be looking for. But otherwise, the church is a, a small bit of heaven on earth even now. And is that where our heart is in the church? Are we glad when it's Friday and we can, we can start preparing for worship? Are we glad when the alarm clock goes off on a, on a Sunday morning? It may indeed take a time of suffering for the church to, 
to, to be moved to such gladness for the church. But until that day, let us consider that the church is God's miracle in Christ. Literally, God's miracle in Christ. Your faith and, and my faith is the work and the gift of God. It's a supernatural thing for sinners to trust in Jesus. And let us consider that the church is where the blessed rule of Christ is acknowledged and, and enjoyed. And finally, let us pray for Jerusalem. Let us pray every day for the church on earth. And when we sing of Jerusalem in the Psalms, let us know that we are singing of the church. And let us love her. Let us love her exactly because Christ loves her, which is to say Christ loves us. And because we are his beloved bride. Amen. Let's uh, bow in prayer. O Lord, as we sing in your word in the Psalms of Jerusalem, may we always be mindful of the church. And uh, may we indeed love her. May we seek her peace. May we pray for her. And may we delight to be gathered with others in the Jerusalem that we know in our own day. We look forward to that new Jerusalem which is promised us from heaven, that heaven itself is the gathering of your people. It started in an ancient city. It continues in the church of our day, and it will culminate in the coming of, uh, of Christ, the making of all things new, and, and the coming of a new Jerusalem that we will enjoy forever and ever. What a great joy we have to look forward to, but also what a great joy we have even today. Grant us to taste it more deeply each time we gather as Jerusalem. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.